Welcome, feathered friends. We are back for another exciting episode of Busting the Pack. Step inside my walk-in robe and let your imagination run wild. This podcast is proudly sponsored by the WA Magpies Collingwood Supporters Group. Your place to share your personal black and white stories as a pie supporter and, more generally, stories about not giving up. Or you have a passion project that might inspire others in the gamble of life. We want you to feel a sense of ownership in this platform and welcome any contributions and suggestions by emailing bustingthepack at gmail.com. Each Busting the Pack episode is released via the WA Magpies Facebook, Instagram and web pages on the first Wednesday of each month. In this episode, I have a chat to a WA Magpies member who attended the epic 2002 qualifying final between Collingwood and Port Power in Adelaide. I give my take on the privilege of attending this year's Anzac Day blockbuster between Collingwood and Essendon at the Melbourne Cricket Ground and the first winner of the Eyes on the Prize Best Story Competition is announced. With thanks to Jim Services for donating a $50 gift voucher prize. Well... On with the show. My next loyal and passionate Collingwood supporter guest currently plays in the A grade of the Perth Football League for West Coast Tigers. With their league team winning the Premiership last year, he attended the epic 2002 qualifying final between the Pies and Port Power with a Port fan at Football Park. The Pies' first win in a final since the 1990 Grand Final. And he is passionate about the noble profession of teaching that began in Amsterdam, of all places, after graduating from the University of Adelaide in 2010. Welcome to the podcast, Harry Dobson. Thank you for having me on, Jason. I'm ready to bust the pack. Oh, mate, fighting words. How did you find yourself at your first WA Magpies function and what is your fondest memory watching a game so far as a member? I found myself at a WA Magpies function at the Hyde Park after a Facebook search for a WA Collingwood Supporters Association because I wanted to watch the game with some like-minded, articulate uh, fellow travellers. (laughs) Um, and uh, I've got to say that the the atmosphere there has always been particularly particularly welcoming it's a great social atmosphere I I love the raffles I love the the meat tray and I love the margin tickets oh the margin tickets that's yeah that's entertainment (laughs) the my my fondest memory of watching a game there would have to be the 2018 preliminary final against Richmond uh, which culminated in many supporters singing the song, 
on the stage. But oh. I'll never forget yeah. that that was really the night where Mason Cox took a game by storm. Oh, I just absolutely. remember him leaping above those uh, Richmond defenders. <laughs> and uh. then, then the camera panning to his American father in the stands and him having a bewildered look on his face, but also one... With, but it also contained such a degree of pride that he was his son at the very centre of what was going on at the MCG, but him also not having a real idea of exactly what was going on. Oh, well, I can definitely speak from experience. I was there that famous night. I was up on stage. We were singing that song. We must have sung it about four or five times. We didn't care. I mean, no one even <laughs> gave us cooey of, of uh, you know, Taken over, taken over Richmond. Um, so, yeah, great night, mm. and um, and especially what you said about um, what enjoyment you get out of being a, a WA Magpie member. You know, it's I mean, the membership is you know ten fifteen dollars, and oh, what you get out of it, like anything in life, is what you put into it. So. Mm. Well, Jason, if I could just uh, plug the membership there for a moment, that one of the best things about it is getting the WA Magpies shopping bag. Now, I was rude. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a few of those. They've obviously... <laughs> oh, I was going to say the sticker, but please go on. I'm sure there's a story behind this. Well, I was uh, once rudely accosted uh, by a shop assistant at a supermarket that I, that, I, that I won't name, but they said, clearly with that bag, that's the easiest way to identify a shoplifter. <laughs> I love it. But needless to say, I don't shop there anymore. <laughs> Playing for the amateur football club West Coast Tigers in the reserves team, what is your favourite playing position to emulate the black and white never say die mentality of the Magpies? Playing in the reserves team, I think generally, generally at that level of football, there is a certain, um, you know, because we are trying to impress the senior coach, we do like to try and play with a bit of run and dash. And I, I like to show that in my younger days uh, coming off the halfback flank. Uh, nowadays, I'm more so rooted to the last, last line of defence. And although I'd, I'd love to play like uh, one of the intercepting defenders at Collingwood, like Jeremy Howe, I mean, how I wish I could jump like uh. him, um, or, or Darcy Moore, just with his, with his, also with his great leap and his beautiful long kicking as well. Oh, that's great. But in poetry in motion. In, indeed, poetry in motion. But um, these, these days, and older listeners, older listeners might recall um, one of the uh, four <laughs> Collingwood horsemen, uh, Mark Richardson. Um, yeah. that's, that's, uh, that's who I would uh, liken myself to these days, who, who was nonetheless a, a, a reliable, uh, a reliable yeah. defender. Um, so I have played my fair share of amateur football in Perth over the years, spanning five clubs. So on or off the ground, in the club rooms, um, what is one of the most unusual experiences you have come across that you would only see at the am amateur level? Well, Jason... Keep it PG, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason, uh, I'll, I'll start with... Um, I'll start with uh, talking about one of, one of the most unusual experiences I've seen. Now, this, this wasn't from playing uh, amateur football here in Australia. It was actually when I was living in the Netherlands and I was, was, was playing rugby over there. Anyway, one of the 
traditions that my rugby club had um, from when we played away games and we'd take the bus back was obviously to have a little bit of the amber fluid and then we would start singing some songs. <laughs> Remember, I've played amateur football. I know what you're referring to. Yep. The and songs, yeah, the sing songs. Oh, it was, it was great. The sing songs were great. Mm. But after a while, it would begin to, we would begin to draw lots and whoever drew the shortest straw would have to participate in something known as nude skydiving. So oh, if, you can, okay. if you can think of one of those tour buses with the luggage racks and how you might hook yourself up there and then give an account down <laughs> and on zero having to let yourself go. And, you know, well, I'll, I'll let um, listeners You're going to have to set what, this up one day. Um. <laughs> I'm not going to, I won't be reenacting it. Oh, that's, that's a tease. Uh, but uh, also in my in my role at my football club down at uh, down at West Coast Tigers, and we play down at uh, City Beach Oval in the A grade competition, mm. uh, as you mentioned, Jason. Yes, uh, I've given you that lovely plug. One of the <laughs> uh, one of the roles I've had down there is also yeah. as a as a team manager, and you know, footballers, God, God bless them, really. Um, actually, I'd use an Alan Jeans quote here, who said that footballers are like sausages. <laughs> you can fry them, you can curry them, but at the end of the day, they're still sausages. Well, it's like footballers. <laughs> you, yep. can, you can present them any which way, but footballers can still be a little bit simple. And I, I will never understand how difficult it is to remember white shorts to play at away games. You know, if, if we're up to oh, me... come on, you had one thing to remember. <laughs> one thing to remember. It's black at home, white away. That's exactly right. Well, it would have been black shorts in your day, Jason. We, we play in uh, in the dark blue shorts, but, oh, but still go. it's yep. coloured for home. One of the eagles, yeah. And and, and white away. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not, I won't slight my, slight my teammates any more of that, but um, it is quite remarkable how players will, will mm. remember to do that. Uh, in terms of some of the more unusual experiences as well, I can definitely, uh, well, some of my teammates are a little bit unusual, is that they will spurn footwear arriving to training uh, really until the middle of July when it's, of course, course, Perth is at it at its coldest. But I've seen some terrible um, footwear fashions um, after training. I'll remember, just for the listeners, if it was you, please do not do this fashion again. He was wearing, he's still wearing his football socks. He's obviously had a shower, you know, he's cultured. Mm. He's wearing thongs. Mm. He's got his mobile phone, and they were bricks back in the end day, mm. clipped on to the top of his football socks. <laughs> Just <laughs> loving life. Just going. So footy socks and thongs, Jason. Yes. Are you, are you sure he didn't have... Uh, With a sure? mobile phone clipped to the top of the side of Are you sure, he, are you sure his... he didn't have COVID-19? Uh, he must have been so what far I'm, ahead of his time. What I'm getting at there is, Jason, is that surely footy socks and thongs would be a sign of loss of taste, which I'm told is oh. sign, one of the signs of having the coronavirus. Well, he must have had it in spades then. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you secured two tickets to the 2002 qualifying final between the Pies and Port at Adelaide Oval to watch with a Port fan. Well, I guess you can't have everything. Mm. But what was your perspective of that epic win that helped propel the Pies towards playing in a grand final? The first one since 1990. Yes, you're correct there, Jason. It was 
it, in the end, it was Collingwood's first victory in a final since the uh, since the grand since the first ever AFL grand final Correct. in October of, of nineteen ninety against Essendon. The one that we had to play in October because we never do anything, you know, normally. <laughs> I think we're uh, I think we uh, we're undefeated in grand finals in October. Maybe we are there permanently. We are. Uh, well, we're not going to get another shot at that. So. <laughs> not in the short term. There's no more draws to be had on. <laughs> I've been reliably told. So yeah, the big day, well, the big night. It, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was a night game. That, uh, that's right. So it was, it was a Friday night, and I was in year ten at the time. I was fifteen years old, and I went with my friend Tom down to football park which uh, is in a place in Adelaide called West Lake. So it's way out in the northwestern suburbs of Adelaide. Uh, so uh, mm. we travelled out there, and I think this is, in, in my young life to that stage, this was the most excited I'd ever been about going to see a Collingwood match played in Adelaide. And, of course, in the, in the 90s, Collingwood had given me a sort of disillusioned sort of childhood. I remember a few years in the 90s they'd sort of tempted by winning a few of the early rounds under Tony Shaw and then losing streaks of 10 games in a row and just completely uh, falling down. But um, you know this one there was a real sense of hope and and, and expectation uh, particularly around how the team had been playing and that was the real emphasis of those early Malthouse teams was that they mm. they knew their roles as footballers they accept they yeah. accepted them and they executed them so well but nevertheless there was a sense of anxiety around this game because the great captain champion and warrior Nathan Buckley was was out injured uh, leading into this match and the big question was well who will carry the midfield and and who will step up no Buckley no but no Buckley playing away hostile crowd. So who filled the breach in your eyes? Well, I remember Port Adelaide won the first clearance of clearance of the game, and they Roger James kicked it into Port Adelaide's forward fifty. But Collingwood were able to rebound it. There was a kick inside forward fifty, and then the real spark mm. came from Rupert Betheris, who was lining up in the forward pocket that night, who snapped a goal yeah. over his shoulder. And to have a goal within the first minute, I really think settled the nerves. Of, yeah. of that Collingwood side, because it was a pretty young side. And, and it was were, a very hostile environment indeed, that, and that they <laughs> found themselves in. Yeah, it, and in those days, Port Adelaide didn't always attract a big crowd to their games at Football Park for whatever reason. Despite the, the success that they'd had in home and away games, they hadn't yet been embraced by, well, really outside of Port Adelaide supporters in, in South Australia. Yeah, fair point. Obviously, they did come into the uh, league uh, later than um, the Adelaide Crows. So, I mean, obviously Rocker had to be involved because he's just Rocker. He can just do the unbelievable. He's just kind of like, yeah, hold my beer. Yeah. Well, this, this time I... Th well, <laughs> would, you, the, would you like a goalpost height? Because yeah. <laughs> that's what he tended to do. Well, in, in this game, he was changing in the ruck with, uh, with stunning Steve McKee, who, again, older listeners would recall... The big number 12. Do you recall him, yeah? I do recall stunning mm. Steve. But at this point in the game, McKee would have been on the bench and Rocker was in the ruck. Uh, he gathered an, an errant Port Adelaide kick on the eastern side wing at Football Park, which was pretty close to where uh, my friend and I were sitting, mm. gathered it and took four or five steps to balance and then just sent the ball sailing over the goal umpire's <laughs> hat. And he would have been 80, 85 88, maybe 90 metres out with, with, this, with this kick. Drop punt all the way, straight as a die. 
So Rocker definitely uh, stepped up in, in that game with some really important goals. Uh, but the, the forward line functioned so beautifully that night as well. I mean, uh, listeners would also recall from that period of time Nick Davis, who was so valuable as a as a small forward and Collingwood supporters had really he was yeah absolutely he was he, he nailed just some uh, some great set shots mm. I think he was one of the best set shot goal kickers Collingwood has and then you got the Mercurial Didac you know doing his well Didac kicked a brilliant doing his thing Didac kicked a brilliant goal in the in the second quarter just to keep Collingwood's noses mm. in front and the game really ebb, ebbed and flowed. Uh, because Port Adelaide were were a quality side for uh, sure at that at that point in time, um, and they they had they had a lot of um, stars like Nick Stevens and and Matthew Primus, um, but yeah, the player who really stepped up for mine in the midfield and and carried the day mm. was Paul Lacuria. Um He oh, was able to find good old liquors. Yes, <laughs> oh, he was a, he was a bull. He was a real bull. Uh, he would have. He had. He wasn't a, the quickest, but not the quickest. Gee, he would cover some ground. Not the quickest, but was able to find find the loose ball. Was able to find plenty of space, mm, and he, he 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 collected forty possessions that night. And then I yeah. think the next highest possession winner on the ground uh, would have had twenty seven. Um, so he clearly straighted the field in terms of uh, just just gathering the ball and set up so many uh, attacks out, out of the midfield. So Paul Lecuria yeah. stepped up in Buckley's absence. And like all epic wins, there's, there has to be that what if, and you can't go past one of the Burgoynes has marked in the goal square. Now you tend to think, oh yeah, this is the last quarter as well. There's not, not a lot of time left. They'll, they'll, they'll come home with a wet sail. They were going to like overrun us. And what did you see happen? Well, you, you, you I mean, you're right there, Jason. I mean, the, the last quarter was building up nicely and it looked mm. like Collingwood's young legs were, were just beginning to tire. The crowd was really getting behind, uh, was really getting behind the power at that point. They had a brilliant passage of play where they, they took it, taken it down the wing. Burgoyne marked at the top of the goal square. This was to put um, Port Adelaide within a point, you would think. Cool head prevail. Go back, you'd think. Kick the goal, but instead Burgoyne played on, tried <laughs> to run around Ben Johnson, a mistake that other other small forwards have tried to make. But Johnson yeah. clung on to to the to the lower part of Burgoyne's jumper, who could merely swing a leg at it. I reckon he's probably digging his nails he, in. You know, just <laughs> his fingernails were just right, just embedded in. Yeah. <laughs> he stretched his jumper. He's out. probably still got the welts. <laughs> Oh, he definitely would. So Johnson was just hanging on that tight. Yeah. Uh, ball ricocheted off um, off uh, off his boot, and then Wakeland gathered it and cleared it away. Pies took it down the other end, and Leon Davis kicked the kicked oh, the ceiling goal. Leon, Leon, right? And wasn't he just a real excitement, oh. real excitement machine? You could feel the electricity when he just got near the ball. <laughs> you know? Yeah. This is yeah. So I mean, okay. it was it was an it was an incredible game. Um, aside from Lacuria, who was the real standout, yeah. was the the team effort, the 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 harassment, the chasing, the the elite pressure. I mean, these yeah. these day, these days, um, they've 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 got a, a way of measuring the yeah. pressure. I don't know what Collingwood's would have been that night, but pressure efforts. I think they pressure call them, effort, pressure acts. Was, it's all about how many tackles you lay and. But it's not so many. How many? It's not necessarily how many tackles you lay. How many do you, do you stick? Mm. 
and the perceived but pressure. There's so much they energy, t- like in tackling someone, and then they can still just pop the handball away, and then the chain continues. So it's very uh, the, mod- the the modern player. Wow, what they what they expect to do now just to get onto the ground is like oh, light years from you know those. Those 90, 80s and 90s. Oh, definitely. Well, yeah. I, mean, I mean, even go comparing players from 20... And they never 20... play in their own positions anymore. <laughs> they like to just use a third of the ground, you know, like... Yeah, that's right. Like yeah. soccer, so... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in terms of um, teaching, so you began your teaching career in Amsterdam mm-hmm. over 10 years ago. Um, what challenges did you have to overcome relocating overseas... Well, I suppose the, the initial challenge was in being able to um, find myself um, find myself a, a, a teaching job because, you know, when I first moved there, I didn't speak any Dutch at all other than sort of basic greetings and, and please and thank you. Mm. So the first teaching job I actually had was working with uh, quite young primary school aged children and that was just sort of teaching basic phrases and things like that and um, you know some English kind of songs. And then after that, I got a job working uh, at an international school in Hilversum, which was uh, just brilliant. I uh, made some wonderful colleagues there. And then I really found my feet when I was teaching English and some, also some English literature at a Dutch, at a Dutch high school, mm. which was just brilliant. And I was just so impressed with um, how international Dutch education was and the level of uh, fluency of these, these non-native speakers. And also, uh, I, they were so interested in English culture, of course, but then also fascinated about Australian culture and they wanted to know about mm. our customs. So naturally, I took it upon myself to introduce them to the, to the great game of Australian so football. So he was self-elected uh, Australian... Uh... Gillan McLaughlin, if, you, if you're role listening, model. I know that you're sort of winding, winding down your role at, at the AFL, uh, <laughs> so you've, not, you've got time to listen to the podcast, but Gillan, if you're listening, <laughs> I'd, 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 I'd take some of the responsibility for bringing Australian football to a younger Dutch audience. Yes, I heard they fought the games very, very fast, mm-hmm. and they also were a bit, they, they kind of like... Uh, Dane Swan's uh, they love, artwork. They love Dane Swan. So, uh, gee, it would have been about almost 10 years ago to the day. Mm. Um, so Collingwood had just defeated Essendon in the in the Anzac Day game. So I was showing my class some highlights of oh, the well, match. You picked a good one. I think he got BOG that day. He, he did. He won, he won the Anzac medal. Yeah. Um, they were really uh, taken aback by his toughness and the way he attacked the ball and the, the tackling and the aggression and of the game. And he had deceptive pace as well. He was quick when the ball was on the ground and, and loose and he could go and access it. Uh, but also they, they just, they couldn't get over his, his tattoos. No, <laughs> how could you? Yeah. Um, so I always say that teaching is a noble profession and teachers are not paid nearly enough for what they contribute to educating future generations who choose this career path. Um, what aspect of teaching are you most passionate about that gives personal fulfilment? I suppose, Jason, what I'm most passionate about is, uh, is, is reading and helping uh, young students learn to read better. So helping them mm-hmm. contra- comprehend text and also to access really uh, key information. Um, I love exposing my students to 
new, uh, new and different types of texts like newspaper articles that they wouldn't normally do and helping them learn subject specific language. So my special subject area is civics and citizenship and I'm also uh, really excited um, to help young people find out about our political system. And of course we've got an election coming up and it's, it's really vital that our, our young people in particular are not necessarily across all of the issues but they understand how our political system works and how to make their vote count. Sure. So what do you think of the playing style under the new senior coach for Collingwood, Craig McRae? And what have you enjoyed watching so far? Well, first of all, I'd start by saying that uh, the round one victory over St Kilda was, was a real tonic, I think, for Collingwood supporters to see, in particular, the impact of the young players in the team, uh, Ginevan and also uh, Nick Dacos, and to see how at home both of them looked at senior level. So oh, they slotted right, right in, didn't they? Uh, yeah, I think sure. that, that's why they call um, Nick Dacos whisper because he whispers to the football and he can just he whispers <laughs> and, the, and he and he attracts the ball. <laughs> I like that. So what I've liked about uh, Craig McRae's style is he's really prepared to to back the younger players to to execute their role in mm. the team, and he's uh, he's he's having he's having faith in them. I like that we're trying to take the game on and play through the corridor and move the ball more quickly from defence and attack. Yeah, it does take courage. It certainly does, and it, um, it, it allows. It's not always going to. Yeah. It's not always going to pay off, and then you will get scored against. You will uh, definitely. But uh, we've also seen a lift in in Collingwood's pressure as well. And you know, yes, to go back definitely. to what we said about the that two thousand and two team in particular, and mm. like the teams of like 2010, also a flag-winning year. Um, one of the, the hallmarks of those, those Collingwood teams were their pressure. So it's great to see Definitely. that come, come back into it. At a minimum, Malthouse was always it was huge on like, defence. Mm -hmm. He said, that's what you build your team around. And those pressure acts, you know, that, uh, this whole, you know, this frontal pressure. That's right. Is... He talked about the, the frontal press. He pioneered that. He did. He was a reader of military strategy. Is that right? Yeah, a great philosopher of the game and military, military strategy was Mick Malthouse. But and now you see all the clubs doing it. They have, all have a press of some kind. So where did you get frontal pressure from in terms of what military reference would that... Are we talking trench war... You know, what kind of, what kind of warfare are we talking that he... I'm not entirely sure. Off, 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 I might have to. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Follow that up now, <laughs> you two listeners. I want to know. I'm not entirely. What you think? I'm not entirely sure, Jason. But I think Moldhouse had been reading Sun Tzu and the, <laughs> and, the and the art of war. <laughs> I watched an episode of Simpson last night that referenced that and how Homer decided to put his own take on it, and it was a very entertaining <laughs> episode, I must say. Uh, but I'm going to say I digress. <laughs> losing losing the last three games and particularly the, the winnable games mm. against uh, you, you know Geelong, West Coast and Brisbane were really all winnable games and that, that West well, Coast game West Coast was, was, was that, that was a little dagger in the uh, Especially in, in after the putting of, up such a good fight against Geelong. Yeah. Like, I that. really thought, okay, we're ready to roll the West Coast witches hats. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> Sydney got that honour. Mm. Uh, last week, so um, but come, we're, yeah. we're, we're, I mean, um, we're recording this one in the lead up to Anzac Day, and you know, really, we have yep. to we have to beat the um, 
the, the bumblers. Sorry, the bombers. Yeah. Well, let's hope that um, they don't lull us into a false sense of security after the effort, um, the second effort against the Dockers last week. Which mm. It was almost like, hang on, have they put the kill in the rack getting ready for the big, <laughs> the big blockbuster against Collingwood? Oh, they definitely put the cue in the rack, didn't they? They were, they were, they were walking at times in the, in the second half. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But hopefully some big inclusions for this, for the Anzac Day game with... Uh, we're getting our, checkers back. Our very own Brody Mycheck, my, my favourite player. Sponsored player for the WA Magpies, I might add. Doing great work, checkers. We missed you in the clutches. Um, so before I close the interview, and it's been very enlightening, is there anything you would like to say to the audience of Busting the Pack? Thanks for listening. I uh, hope you found it illuminating. And can I say a big cheerio to all the boys and girls down at the West Coast Amateur Football Club. See you down at training. And hope to see you at the Herdsman Hotel for a drink. And go Pies. Couldn't have said it better myself, Harry. So thanks for having a chat. Thanks for having me, Jason. My pleasure. Brody Mycheck here spitting some truth. When I heard the busting the pack intro theme song for the first time, it fired me up so much. Now I want to listen to it before I go out and do battle for the Mighty Pies and bust some packs for real. Check out the podcast of the WA Magpies Facebook and web pages. Go Pies! You had to be there. Anzac Day. 2022 at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Collingwood versus Essendon. Today, I was in the privileged position of being part of a crowd of 84,205, the most at a game since the start of the pandemic, for the traditional Anzac Day blockbuster between the Pies and Bombers. After scanning my ticket and entering the turnstile, I took a moment to soak up the atmosphere of being at the home of football again. Joining a sea of black and white supporters, they quickly learned it had been 22 years ago in 2004 since I last attended a game at the MCG. They would also learn of my unbridled passion as a Pies supporter. Prior to the game, it was a nice touch that for the duration of the Anzac Day ceremony of remembrance on the hallowed turf, food and drink outlets stopped serving customers in respect of the occasion. The goosebumps rose when the two minutes of silence was observed. Then the last post was played by a lone boogler, followed by the national anthems of New Zealand and Australia, and then a roar of anticipation reverberated around the concrete cauldron that sent a shiver up my spine. Sitting next to a guy who was using a reverse psychology Jedi mind trick when a Bombers player took a set shot for goal proved to be a source of amusement and his strike rate at putting the mockers on them to result in a missed opportunity for six points was rather impressive. I did my best Amanda impersonation with her famous Miss, Miss, Miss chant and chimed in with a bit of my hee-haw, hee-haw, hee-haw 
to really get into the spirit of things. With not much separating the two teams for the first three quarters, come the final change and the Pies only enjoyed a one-point lead, which was far too close for my liking, and a healthy heart. By now, the official Collingwood cheer squad behind the goals was in full voice, and I did my bit to those seated nearby, infecting them with my enthusiasm, and had them jumping out of their seats and high-fiving each other when the Pies kicked important goals. Collingwood coach Craig McRae's decision to send Captain Scott Pendlebury into the centre for the final quarter was a master stroke. He ended up with 25 disposals, 11 of them contested, and 5 clearances for the game. Ruckman Brody Grundy really stood up with pivotal contested marks when it counted and the tireless work of the backline to repel dangerous bomber attacks proved invaluable, as Darcy Moore used his incredible closing speed to spoil a crucial pass and save the day. Not to mention John Noble, who keeps improving and is now starting to back his speed and foot skills in becoming a damaging counter-attacking defender. WA Magpies sponsored player Brody Marchek was a welcome return from COVID restrictions, providing a focal point in the forward line, especially when Nathan Kruger was ruled out early in the game with a shoulder injury. But it was the precocious 19-year-old blonde bombshell, Jack Ginevan, who was born for the big stage with a bag of five goals, being awarded the Anzac Medal for his heroics. Now, I am never a fan of the Collingwood chance starting up too soon because there is always a chance of a comeback by the opposition in the final quarter. And what do you know? The Bombers pinched the lead early in the final quarter. But thankfully, red faces were spared with some clutch goal kicking by Brody Grundy and Taylor Adams, helping to alleviate the stress of collective heart attacks among the faithful supporters to seal the win. Final score? Pies. 15 goals, 3, 93. Defeated the Bombers. 12 goals, 10, 82 points. An epic 11-point win, Pies! And here's a little treat a live audio recording from the epicentre of euphoria at the MCG. When I knew the pies were going to prevail. Enjoy!
WA Magpies. The Herdsman Tavern is the new venue for the WA Magpies in 2022. You can find the Black and White Army in the sports bar, screaming at the big screen for all the Collingwood games this season. Their friendly management offer game day selected drink specials and provide a range of $19 meals, which includes a selected pint. How good is that value? And the always entertaining margin tipping competition when the final siren is about to sound gives the winner with the exact game margin a $50 BWS drink voucher. Tickets are only $1. In addition, there is a prize of a Meat Lovers Paradise $100 voucher given away when a raffle is held. Collingwood have a new coach in Craig McRae. A host of exciting young players, including Nick Dacos joining his older brother Josh through the father-son rule. Having the pies royalty of the Macedonian marvel, Peter, as their dad. Not to mention all the players who bleed black and white for the jumper. With two wins from their first three games... Here's to new beginnings. Are you having trouble getting that sparkle back into your pool? Jim's Pool Care can help out with any pool problem. With just one call, Jim's Pool Care mobile pool shops will respond to any pool equipment problems. We can repair or replace all leading brands of pool equipment, such as pumps, chlorinators or automatic pool cleaners. So if you're thinking pools, think Jim's. Call 131546. Or Google Jim's Pool Care and book online. Eyes on the prize. Congratulations to Harry Dobson. His story of being negatively stereotyped by a supermarket employee as a shoplifter due to using a WA Magpie supporter group carry bag. He wins the first $50 gift voucher prize kindly donated by Jim Services. So, over to you. We want to hear your fondest memory as a passionate fan. Be creative, engaging, interesting, and keep your entry to 200 words or less. Get those thinking caps on and email bustingthepack at gmail. In the next episode of Busting the Pack, I introduce some new segments. One relates to the musings of a previous Collingwood coach, Mick Malthouse, 
and the other is Pies players who have come from the Fremantle Dockers. And there will be another feature interview with a WA Magpies member. Well, until next week, feathered friends, always remember passion, persistence, perspective. Thanks for listening, Dr. J. Out.